Welcome everyone to the Travis Stork Show. If you're confused, do not be. This is the first podcast that is officially under the new moniker of the Travis Stork Show. And it's the same content, same concept, just a little rebrand, a little easier to search and find. But uh, do tell your friends about it. The Travis Stork Show is... um, You know, it's something I'm really excited about in terms of where we're going. And on today's podcast, we're continuing a trend of topics that range from health to advice to life experiences. And my guest today, this is the couple that we all fell in love with from the Netflix dating reality show, Love is Blind. Now, I missed the entire season And I was actually out in LA. My wife saved the finale for me. So I got home and I watched the finale. And I have to say, I absolutely fell in love with the couple, Lauren Speed and Cameron Hamilton. Two just perfect, it's a perfect match in many ways. And I really enjoyed during this podcast discussing with them, comparing and contrasting my experience as The Bachelor versus their experience on Love is Blind, and and digging deep into being open to the concept of finding love in the most unexpected of places. And what I love about that show and their experience is it's real their love is founded upon basically wonderful communication and Maybe it does prove that love is blind, but what's really cool is they're happily married still. They got engaged after meeting each other after just 10 days. For those of you who've never seen the show, they literally date through a wall, do not see each other, and then they got engaged, never had laid eyes on one another until that moment. And I will say that I... I, I went back to earlier episodes to watch that moment where they met for the first time and to see that genuine excitement was pretty remarkable. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as we dig deeper into finding love. What does, um, or what, what are the best ways to go about finding love? And are we sometimes a little too, let me just say on The Bachelor, it's, it's a very, at times, quick process. You're making a lot of quick judgments. Whereas Cameron and Lauren really got the chance to know each other on a level that few of us ever do in life. Before we start the podcast, though, I would, I would be remiss if I did not give an update in terms of where we're at right now with the COVID-19 pandemic. And I thought what I would do is just share a little bit of my, my personal story because we focused a number of episodes in the past few weeks on the medical side, the outlook. And I think everyone would agree that the numbers quite well, right now, they're quite staggering just in terms of the magnitude of those numbers as they're jumping. And just keep in mind that a lot of that is because we're getting more testing and we expected those numbers to grow exponentially. So we are in the thick of things right now. Uh, I think there are some positives I think that certainly there are certain hotspots in the country where it's probably hard to see those positives. Um, But I would just encourage everyone to keep doing all the things that you can do, the social distancing, continuing to be vigorous about washing your hands, not touching your face, your eyes, your nose, your mouth. 
but we're all being affected in one way or another. And truth be told, Paris and I never knew that this pandemic was happening. And we moved last week into our new home where we're hoping to raise our newborn son. And it was a pretty stressful thing to move in the midst of all of this. And it was essentially move in or live in a hotel until all of this blows by. And then what are you doing when your child is born? So we decided to go ahead and move in. And the last week, we had been trying so hard, obviously, to be really good about social distancing. But there have been so many people in and out of the house, partially for necessary things, partially for when you move, you need some furniture, you need some essentials. But then on top of it, we we had a, a problem with the pipes and had some flooding, which is never an ideal thing. Anyone who's ever had to deal with that. But during this pandemic, it's added this layer of stress because you can't just ignore that. And so our house right now is a like a construction zone with wall entire sections walled off with negative pressure vacuums and dryers and all the the ceilings completely down and the the problem is that there's just workers in and out and i started thinking about just how this unique time is so stressful for everyone and how cabin fever sets in and and we all collectively start to get a little short with one another and I've had to remind myself even the last few days that, you know, Paris is 29, 30 weeks pregnant at her latest OB appointment this last week. She found out that it's more likely than not that she will not be delivered by her obstetrician, who is someone that I've known since residency was really excited about in terms of being our delivering doctor. But because of new policies in place, everything is changing and and it's for the best, but Doctors who normally would be able to come for delivery now are being placed in certain protocols and call schedules so that if they're exposed, they will then have time to acquiesce or I should say recover at home uh, without risking infecting others. And this just gets you to thinking about all of the complications of COVID-19 beyond those who are infected. And, And honestly, that's the hard part here is Our hearts go out to everyone who's been seriously infected with this virus, certainly to those family members uh, who've had loved ones who've passed. But everyone I know is really struggling right now in so many different ways. And I'm feeling a lot very helpless right now when it comes to Paris, my wife, because I see the stress on her face because, A, we've got workers coming in and out of the house because it's flooding and you can't, you just can't ignore it COVID-19 or not because you can't have mold and you got to mitigate for mold. And then it's okay. You don't have a house full of mold when your kid's born and yet you don't want to get coronavirus um, when you're pregnant because there are still so many unknowns. Um, Do you wait to, it just brings all these questions and it's risk benefit analysis. And it's funny because um, in my first career after college, I was an actuary. And for those of you who don't know what an actuarial scientist or what an actuarial scientist does is they essentially calculate 
put all these variables together and calculate the probabilities of, in usual, in most cases, untoward outcomes, the probability of death in any given year, the probability in insurance of someone getting in a car accident or the probability of a hurricane coming through. But that's where we're at right now with this coronavirus pandemic. It's everything is sort of a risk reward. And I would just urge everyone out there to remember that the ultimate risk is someone unnecessarily losing their life by by continuing these measures for what looks like will be at least another month in terms of social distancing, hopefully keeping the economy going, doing the things that we're doing now where there are still restaurants who are able they're they're able to do curbside service in a lot of communities. Um, people are still uh, using the technology that we have to get goods and services, and yet hopefully everyone's continuing to be smart. But no matter what your problems may be secondary to this pandemic right now, I just want you to know I'm thinking about each and every one of you and praying for the health of your family. And if there is one silver lining in all of this, it's that as the number of people with confirmed cases increase, as testing increases, we are hoping that that mortality rate continues to drop because that's the, in many ways, the one thing that is totally irrecoverable here is unnecessarily losing lives. So my thoughts are with everyone. My prayers are with everyone. I hope this podcast serves as a nice break because this podcast is really talking about the things that we usually talk about, love and relationships and the craziness of the world, the craziness of reality TV, the craziness of how I went to dinner after a shift in the ER and was spotted by a casting director for The Bachelor, went on The Bachelor in Paris, and then here I am well over a decade later hosting this podcast and 12 years of hosting The Doctor's. And now in the middle of a pandemic, which I never expected to, uh, to be in during my lifetime. So enjoy the podcast. My wife and I have a theory. And the theory is that if you have a dog that's a bit of a terror when they're young, yeah. it teaches you how to be patient for the time when you actually have a human. And baby. that's what we keep telling ourselves. Yeah. Any announcements? Speaking no. of? Not no, yet. not yet. Not, yet. Yeah. <laughs> not quite yet, but in the future, that's what we're just like. Okay, this is practice. This right. is practice building patience. So, well, I, you know the thing about dogs, and I, I will say this: I had a dog, Nala, who, through all the experiences I've had, and and I'm going to dig deep into this with you all. Um, she was there with me. I adopted her essentially from the pound when I was in my first year of medical school. So this is 21 plus years ago and through everything, through med school residency, me, um, going on the bachelor, coming back, having my whole life blown up, which again, I want to talk with you all about. Yeah. She was the one constant. And then all those years, you know, when I started hosting the doctor, she would actually come on the show sometimes and perfectly, (laughs) perfectly behaved. And then, then Charlie. Right. (laughs) So I have to say something really quickly and, and I am a tough, I'm a tough one when it comes to finding things 
or finding out about people. My wife watched Love is Blind while I was out in LA filming The Doctors. Yeah. Right. And I come home and um, this is this is a crazy, legit story. And I'm on a plane coming home and this is right about the time people are a little bit wary of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Sitting sitting next to me on the flight, I see Nick Lachey. Oh. And then I get home and she says, you have to watch the, the season finale with me. Oh, my God. So I skipped everything up till the <laughs> season finale. And I fell in love with the two of you oh. because you. of authenticity. Yes. Thank you. That is the main most important thing to us is just being ourselves and being authentic. And it's so crazy because I feel like that's what we hear the most. Like everyone's just like, man, you guys are so refreshing. Like just to see some people who are actually like being themselves and being real. Like, so it's, it's great. Yeah. Hard hard to be someone else. Of course you can try and be a bigger than life personality. Yeah. I think we realize that we're going to make our relationship work only if we are authentic to who we are. Right. So let's go back in time. I want to go on a journey here, right? So the fun part about this is I want to compare and contrast a little bit some of the experiences and how my life changed when I went on The Bachelor with you all and what you've been through and also some of the differences in terms of why I think your all's experience actually does probably have a much higher percentage of success. But going back in time, and then I'll tell you my story, how did you all, how did... A year and a half ago, you're just living your lives, right? Right. How how did this come to be? And when you first went on, and you don't have to give me all the details, but when you first went on the show, did you actually think there was a chance that a year and a half later you'd be doing the podcast with me, married as a couple, like you're Uh-oh. like full on married? No, not at all. I mean, Absolutely. I remember the time when we got reached out to, or when I got reached out by the casting person and they told me the premise and I just thought like, man, who would be crazy enough to actually like get engaged to someone sight unseen through a wall, you know, apparently that's us. Yeah. Um, I mean, but then there's just so much that's followed and, and, you know, I think even, even when we were on the show, even when we were engaged, I was just thinking about how are we going to make this relationship work, you know, and wasn't thinking about the periphery and all the other things that might follow that. Yeah. I mean, for me, the same thing, you know, a casting agent slid into my DMs and they were like, you know, it's a new dating show. Would you be interested? And to be honest, it took me like I ignored them for the longest. I was like, oh, this is crazy. And then eventually I wrote them back. And I was just like, this is the craziest concept that I've ever heard of. I'm going to go. I'm single. I mean, what's what's the worst that can happen? I actually find somebody. But I honestly did not go into it expecting to be one of the people who actually got married and really be in love like a year and a half later. Like, so it's crazy. That's love in the universe for you. Like, you can't run from it. You can't hide when it's time. So, so I, I want to fast forward only because I am mesmerized as I compare and contrast, again, some of the unique experiences I've gone through. I always tell people that when I went on The Bachelor, 
it was unexpected. It wasn't, I didn't apply to be the bachelor. I was literally at the end of an ER shift, went to dinner and a casting director came up to me. One thing led to the next, but I think I had a similar mentality to the two of you, which was life's an adventure. Let's you yeah. never, you never know. So as long as you're open to love, exactly, you never know what will happen. And if you close yourself off to opportunities, then you're closing yourself off to the potential what you two have. And, and for me, I look, I was very pragmatic and the way that it played out for me, it was, and, and why I loved watching the two of you is, you know, when you're in a situation as the bachelor and you're looking at a, I mean, it's overwhelming. It's 25 different people. There, there is the elements of uh, not just the visual, which you all didn't have, but mm -hmm. it's the interactions. And so there are so many external factors and, and voices in your head. And it's really hard to parse down what is real or not real. And for me, I think I have a pretty level head. I wasn't, I was never the bachelor who was telling everyone I love them. That just wasn't, that, that's not <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. But what I found really cool, and I want to ask you to, if you ever thought you would do this, but in preparation for this, because I, I, you're never supposed to start a story at the end, but I did. I, I again, watched the very end. And, yeah, and you went backwards. <laughs> well, we did too, so. <laughs> so. So how about this? How about the the scene I'm watching where the two of you have probably been in those pods for about three or four days, and the two of you, through tears, I might add, mm -hmm. said, I love you. Yeah. Right. Crazy. <laughs> Mind blown, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how we felt at the time. Like, because since I was the one who said it first, Cam likes to remind me all the time. Um, well, you know, just to keep her grounded. <laughs> but just the fact <laughs> that, I mean, I knew that I was in a situation. I knew that I wanted to be open and transparent. I knew that I had made a connection with him and I wanted to be honest about it. Like, I'm feeling this way. I'm Honestly, I can't believe I'm even about to say this right now, you know, and I prefaced it with that, but just like, I can feel myself falling in love with you. I think I love you. And it really surprised me when Cam was like, I love you too. And I was like, what? No, no. Like it was scary. Scary. That he was feeling the same way that I was feeling. It was scary, but it felt so right to say it. And it, you know, every date that we went on, it escalated so much. And obviously we've been married a year and a half now yeah. and, and that love has only grown and matured, but um, it all just came very natural. And, and like Lauren said, it was scary. There was uh, a moment that happened after that date where just walk back into the guy side of things Man. and just the reality of like, okay, this is, this could be the rest of our lives here, even and and, Am I, you know, it's just, it was so surreal. Could this really carry on forever, you know? Yeah, after we said that, it's, I'm surprised that it didn't make it to the show, but I literally went back to the girl side and paced for like an hour. Like, my nerves, I could not believe. Like, I closed myself off in a room and I was just walking in a circle for like an hour. Just like, oh yeah. my God. Like, I was just in shock, basically, right. by myself, by how I was feeling, by the whole external factors, the internal factors. And it was just a lot to process at that time. I mean, the whole situation was just such a life-changing thing mm -hmm. overall. So 
and falling in love on top of it without, without that, the most profound thing in life happening, it's already a big deal. Yeah. And it's how accurately, because people who have never been through an experience like what you all went through, it gets condensed into a few one hour episodes. How accurately does it represent the experience that you two had? Mm. What, what we all saw. Right. Yeah, I think it, it captured, of course, a lot of the most important moments. But there's a lot, obviously, of conversation that you didn't get to see, you know, conversations we had about spirituality, mm-hmm. how we would raise our children together, you know, how would we discipline them? How would we balance our finances together? Um, just fun times that we had laughing together on dates, you know, talking about dates we wanted to go on together. So there was a lot of layers that just time wasn't permitting being shown. It actually made it seem like, although the the process did happen super fast, don't get us wrong, but there's so much that led up to those moments other than, hey, I'm Lauren. Hey, I'm Cameron. Oh my God, I love you. Like, you know, so they cut out a lot of the growth part that we talked about that really Mm -hmm. kind of made us kind of cement together. And I wish that a little bit more of that could have been shown. Yeah. Well, and that's where your experience is very different than my experience on the bachelor because with the bachelor, what people don't understand. And again, my season was so long. It was very different. It wasn't, my season wasn't really produced. It was just me. I got on a plane. I went to France cause it was in Paris and it was pretty much, they put me up in this big French chateau <laughs> and I'll never forget that they were, they treated me so well in terms of the entire production. They bought me a, it was on this like massive, massive, plantation. It was an old chateau. There were still bullets from wars from the past, but they got me a mountain bike because there were so many trails on this property. And there was a little French village at the end of the the road. Um, I had all of these hours during the day to myself to, to run, to mountain bike, to really soak life in. And yet the reality is that I had, you have very limited time. Mm to establish relationships because there are so many of them Yeah, that you two, you were able to get so intensely, you were able to go deep so quickly because you two were each other's focus and both can work. I mean, heck on the bachelor, my, uh, a podcast a number of weeks ago, my roommate at the time I was on the bachelor ended up meeting his wife because of me being on the bachelor and anyway, so it worked for them, but you guys, it's almost as though if you can fall in love with someone with, without all of the distractions, Mm -hmm. that is what life is like when all the cameras are gone. Cause there were cameras there, but that's not what you were focused on. It's, it's what are the two of you like on that couch at home when it's just the two of you. And that's it to me, that's what it felt like as opposed to, Again, The Bachelor is very entertaining. That's that's franchise is not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Right. But I can tell you this, to have two people get married, it was two people, two couples, right? Got married? Yeah. Couples, yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of how many total? Well, it went to about five that were shown on the show, but about yeah. seven actually got engaged, but we didn't even see. Actually eight. Oh, was it eight? Oh, wow. Yeah. Eight. But the show only chose to focus on five. Out of that, only two really got married. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty, I mean, that's, you're a scientist. That's a pretty good percentage there. Yeah. For an experiment. 
Of course, there's a lot of factors. Um, one, I think, like you said, the distraction part of it. When all we had to do was focus on dating 16, 16 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And people were opening up way more than they had ever opened up in their whole lives. I think yeah. a big part of that was the lack of judgment based on physical appearance. Mm-hmm. You weren't thinking about physical things, like where is this going to go physically? It was just, let's be open and see what happens by talking about things that we really want to know about a potential mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, as we saw in the show, though there were a lot of engagements, they all didn't work out. You know, I mean, it's, so it went through its paces, but uh, I mean, just the fact that two people, two couples got married, I mean, is amazing. And a year and a half later, are yeah. still married. Right. You know, happy. happy. Would you guys agree that the one thing reality TV has done that I don't agree with? Because I I did not get engaged when I was on The Bachelor. I was very open and honest with everyone saying, look, this is just I there in no world. Am I ready to get engaged right now? And and Mm -hmm. very it was a very amicable experience in terms of when everything was said and done. There were there were no I I don't believe there were any harsh, hard feelings because I didn't. I wasn't playing to the cameras. I wasn't telling everyone I love them and and how in this short period of time, you're my entire world. But I I do think the thing I've experienced as of late, because this was years ago, right? but now I feel like pretty much everyone gets engaged for the production value of it. And it's kind of cheapened it to me a little bit, which is why, again, you two are so uh, such a great example of I didn't feel like you two were doing it because it was good TV. You were doing it because you genuinely in your hearts wanted to be engaged and then married. 100%. I agree with you. 1000%. Yeah. And it's funny too, because I had always thought like, I didn't really see the merits of getting married. And then when I met Lauren, I was like, man, I really have to lock this down. (laughs) (laughs) And even for me, like, I'm not about to get married to be famous. Like, I'm sorry. We're talking about a legal binding marriage. Like, of okay. course you can get divorced, but I'm not about to go through all that. I'm just not. Like, yeah. you know? So, ugly. I mean, there are people that will do that. It wasn't me. And I'm not saying that we know will anybody. Get married? Yeah. Like, oh. just to be on TV. And even, yeah. like, on other shows. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Who knows about the other shows, though? Like I don't, I don't have any insight into that. No, I mean, I don't know. Particularly, well, but that's... I'm just saying reality TV in general. Yeah. And I think that that's what a lot of people found so refreshing or what we were told about Cameron and I is that even though it is reality TV, you can tell that a lot of stuff is maybe heavily produced or it feels like something was kind of, it didn't seem authentic or natural or real. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was so important to me throughout this process to not try to be something that I wasn't. Like I wanted to be real with what I was saying, how I was feeling, even down to the bonnet that we, I, you probably didn't see that episode yet, (laughs) but here's here's the cool thing. Yeah. I, I, the beauty of having it available via streaming, you tell me what episode I'm, t- I'm going to watch it because it's not because I didn't want to watch it all. I just haven't had time yet. I wasn't no, saying going that. On. Yeah. Right. But um, it was just parts of me that I showed that weren't that pretty or weren't that attractive or may have made people cringe because I was so real with how I was feeling and what I said. And 
you know, I'm, I'm happy that I did that because so many people have come back to me and they've just really appreciated it. Real is real. And that's what I, I think part of where I think you all are right right now in a maybe a tough circumstance. And I want to dig deeper on this a little bit is um, I've never really talked about my experience on The Bachelor much because for me, I came back from it and is very different. The Bachelor is set up where you go. And for me, again, I went to Europe. My entire season was in Europe. Yeah. And other than coming home for the so-called hometown dates, I was in Europe. I went through this entire experience. It was overwhelming because when you're The Bachelor, it's intense. It's yeah. different. And then I came back and I go, I'm working in the ER. Right. And um, then the season yeah. premiere happens. And this is where I want to dig, dig it a little deeper into how it's been for you. I, within one hour of that first episode airing and 10 plus million people or whatever the numbers are watching it, yeah. my life changed forever. And I, for a period of time, instead of being Travis Stork, the doctor that, that people could trust, I became the bachelor. I went through that experience, which was a few months of my life, and that's all it is. It doesn't define me. And through it all, I tried to be real. But but at the same time, there was this internal struggle because I was overwhelmed by all of the attention right. because people saw me as the bachelor, not as Travis Stork. Oh, and right. I because it all happened so quickly. What I what I want to ask you to, because it's brilliant. People are watching this right now for the first time. They don't realize that now you all have people care about you. People care about your relationship, but you have had time over the last year to build that strong bond before the onslaught of media attention. And people, I mean, I'm sure, assuming you're out on the streets. Yeah. Not much right now because of no, all the craziness right in the now. world. What is that like where at least you had time to build your relationship and then all of a sudden the show hits, goes number one on Netflix, and now the two of you are as recognizable as any couple in this country. How how has that been? Um, It's actually been pretty crazy. Like you yeah. said, literally the day that the show aired or release was launched, I just remember going on like my social was like, oh, let me go and see what's going on. And I just remember ping, 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 ping. Like from then on, it was just like, blown and i i think that we're both really grateful for that year and a half that we had because oh. like you said thank god that we did have that time to really kind of grow into each other as a couple mm -hmm. and even each other because i feel like as you probably know with the bachelor after a situation like that you kind of have to like get back into like the rhythm of life and yourself and yeah. even especially as a couple like we're married now so not only was i trying to like get back to me and my regular schedule program. But also now I'm married and I'm learning how to be a wife throughout this year and a half. So yeah. I'm really grateful that we had that period of time to kind of like incubate ourselves and grow outside of all of the public attention. And we had to find our rhythm as a married couple and yeah. just and like any married couple would find out how to live together and mm -hmm. how to coordinate our schedules in certain senses, you know, pet peeves, whatever it might be. <laughs> And now with all this media attention, everyone's weighing in with their opinion about our relationship and where we should go. You know, some people saying, <laughs> don't, don't be on TV anymore. Just go live your, you know, private lives and other people weighing in. Oh, we want to see more. Uh, so for Lauren and I, it's like we love working together in different capacities. You know, it's fun for us to mm -hmm. just spend time 
um, whatever it is. And, and uh, so it's been a blessing, but there's also, you know, a lot of people, as you said, kind of relating to our story, they feel like we represent them in some way. So there is, on one hand, there's this kind of pressure to not disappoint, but on the other hand, it's like, well, we're just continuing to be ourselves. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, we just continue to be ourselves and that will, that will be what makes yeah, it. So. Absolutely. I think you two, by doing it together, you can make it whatever you want. The advice that I would give looking back to, I, it's been 15 years almost, maybe it's 14. I can't remember, but I, I came back and I was so overwhelmed by all the attention. I was alone because quite honestly, with, with the experience I went through, you have to, you really can't tell anyone anything. So you've got these months where you're, you're in this cocoon that you've self-created. So I went and moved to back to where I was born in Colorado and I was living, uh, working in three different ERs, living in the mountains with my dog and me. And that was about it. That's me. (laughs) But, but the advice part, which is, I hope valid is I was out there getting my head straight, maybe similar to what you all have done over the last year and a half, but I would go work my shift in the ER. And of course, everyone would recognize me Right. And it was at, for, at the time it was overwhelming and I was kind of running from it. Mm. But what is so fascinating is to look, to look back at everything now. If I had just run from all of it, I would have only been known as my whole life. Oh, that's the guy who was on. That's the doctor who was on The Bachelor. Right. And when Dr. Phil and his son Jay reached out to me with the idea that, you know what, people, people watch Dr. Phil because they want psychological information. Well, we need a show where you give medical advice and that's what, that's who I was. That's what, that's my comfort zone. So Mm -hmm. what happened was I was over the last 12 years now, I've been hosting the doctors and I'm, I'm able to be myself and people can look at me as I view myself and the, the opportunity that I ran from for a period of time, for a few years, when I finally acknowledged it and, and, now I can sit here talking to the two of you and hopefully you look at me and say, oh, that was a guy who was on The Bachelor. He's he, but but you know what? He hosts the Dodgers. He, he's just he's just a guy Absolutely. who has had experiences much like us. So keep sharing who you are with the world to yeah. the extent that is comfortable, because in this crazy world where everyone is dying to be famous, right. you two are a voice of reason. You became famous because of your authenticity. And there is not enough of that nowadays. So I, I, I say, share, share your journey to the extent you're comfortable, right. make yeah. some money doing it. There's yeah. no reason not to. <laughs> we got a dog to feed. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. And may, maybe, maybe more dogs soon and, and yeah. maybe some, some babies as well. Right. But I think, I think that's why people are drawn to you. And I want to ask you then where you're at now and trying to balance your careers, your traditional careers and watching how these, the, these things evolve. It's funny, Cameron, I, I look at you and I'm thinking, wow, firefighter, scientist. Now, you know, I, you, you've had these varying careers and, and there's a little bit of a similarity there for me, I was an ER doc. I was then TV happened. And then it's like my life. And for both of you now, what is life like for you outside of the public sphere? And I'm, I'm speaking in totality, like work wise, what, like when you came back home 
and now that the show is airing and you've got your, your YouTube channel now that you just launched, right. Um, it's called hanging, hanging with the Hamiltons. That's right. How, how is it balanced out for you all right now in terms of life, future, the fame element, the yeah. old school jobs that you guys still have? How does that all balance out? Yeah, I think, well, part of it is we're still trying to find the complete balance for it. But the core of it is our family. Of course, that's where we kind of build the bedrock. In terms of careers, you know, we both enjoy working in the media. I mean, and I'll let Lauren speak for herself. But for me, my traditional work, working in artificial intelligence, you know, I want to continue to build that up. You know, I have a vision for how I would like to do that. My interests are in Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, using AI to be able to tackle those problems um, in, in the ways that they can be tackled and, and hopefully using the platform to as a means to get there somehow. Good for you. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it's, it's early yet to see, but, uh, you know, we'll keep pushing in that direction. And, and I have further ideas for how AI can be used to improve people's daily lives. Um, but also, you know, love talking about our relationship and, and sharing more of our journey. So that's just another aspect too. Yeah. And for me, I mean, before the show, my actual business was media. I mean, you know, I do videography and content creation. I come from a media family of uh, producers and and things like that. So for me, I'm actually lucky because I'm in my element with the show and off the show. Um, so right now I'm just growing. I'm trying to see where to go to next. We're in that kind of weird phase right after it came out, but we're kind of trying to switch to the next level of things. So at this point, we're just kind of, you know, placing, putting things in place and um, cementing where we're, where we are now so that we can kind of build onto it and, and keep going. So we're definitely excited about the future. Um, our day to day right now with the quarantine, we're just kind of at home making TikToks, you know, <laughs> well, as, as a Lauren, as a digital content creator, I was going to say you should make TikToks. You should start a YouTube channel. Yeah, I know. We should start yeah, definitely a lot of filming and idea stuff going on. So, I mean, it's an exciting time. Um, it's a lot going on. We're trying to keep our heads straight and our feet on the ground. Um, but we're we're definitely excited about the future and grateful for everything and, and all the opportunities that are flying our way. Let me back up and just say that I'm glad the two of you have each other through this. And I love that the two of you come at this from so many different perspectives. And I mean, obviously, um, you two are in very different careers. Um, the, the show's concept, Love is Blind, the fact that that you two are an interracial couple and that you've shown sort of the, the beauty of love and how two people truly are together stronger than as individuals. And I think that's why you guys resonate so much because you see the two of you together and the compliment there is so wonderful. But I have to ask you because no union is perfect. Right. And I want to ask you that what's been the biggest challenge over the last year and a half 
Yeah. <laughs> like you want to say. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. This is a little no, bit like when you guys both so, said, I love you first. Who's going to say it first? Right. <laughs> no, I, I think uh, the, one of the biggest things is because we both work from home a lot. So figuring out the right balance of space versus, you know, time together, like affection. affection yeah. And, and uh, also, you know, keeping the romance when we see each other every day, all the day, you know, still making like romantic dates and things like that. Mm -hmm happen so that's that's just been a part of it and and uh yeah how do you guys if you have a policy in place mm -hmm. and this is the first time in my life where my wife will tell you this is for the last 12 years i'm i'm just never home i'm always traveling and mm -hmm. we live in nashville but i I've, I've flown to la for 12 years yeah for the doctors and this is the first time i can remember where I'm home more than normal and yeah. I love that, but it does create these interesting dynamics where how do you know when it's work time versus couple time versus alone time? And That's I want to ask you all, what? do you have, <laughs> what's, what's the paradigm you guys use? Um, it's so funny you say that because that's something that is definitely one of our struggles and our strengths. Um, I mean, for me, I'm like, super work oriented like even now with the quarantine we've tried to like set up a schedule like okay we're gonna work during these times uh we're also gonna be sure that we make time for our relationship and that we spend time together throughout the day but i'm the type of person where i really need my alone time like i it's so important to me like i have to have it so amen lauren i'm right? with you i'm, I'm on team lauren it's important. I, I need my alone time too. I know that doesn't really get talked about on the show, <laughs> but I definitely do too. Right. And so basically, you know, we're trying to find a balance even to the point where we've like set up schedules. I know that that sounds kind of crazy. But no, I think the schedules have been helping because yeah. if there's no like structure at all, things start to bleed into each other and mm -hmm. like you kind of get a half baked version of spending quality time together and a half big version of getting work done. You know, yeah. it's like you're in this in-between space. So do you have any suggestions for us? Yeah, that would be helpful. Well, <laughs> the only suggestion I can give just now moving into, we're moving into a new neighborhood because with a baby boy on the way, we wanted to be in a more family oriented. And so it's exciting. It's an exciting time, but you know, one of the things I'm hoping to do moving forward is travel less. And Lauren, you can help me in some ways because, you know, I've been I've been a, such a part of the traditional paradigm of television. You know, The Bachelor's on ABC, The Doctors is a syndicated television show on network television in where where it airs in, you know, maybe NBC in one city, CBS in another, various networks. So that's all driven by content that is typically created in the old fashioned way. Mm -hmm. And so I, interestingly, getting back to this entire conversation about space and alone time. So in the new place built out an area above the garage, the garage had this massive unfinished, um, we drove by and saw the bones of it as they were building it. And above the garage, there was this massive open space, about 500 square feet with vaulted ceilings. Wow. And I looked at it and I said, That's a studio. man cave, studio, <laughs> gym, what's it going to be? But it's, it's a studio. Like when push yeah. comes to shove, it's a studio and I haven't set it up yet. Yeah. Right? 
but that that is the best answer I can give. And my wife and I joke. She's like, "Okay, when am when am I allowed over? When is the the baby going to be allowed over?" Right. And I, I I joke, "Honey, never." And no, that, no, I'm kidding, of course. Wanna, but sanctuary. I want to have that. <laughs> well, and and you you will at some point, but I think it's also just having we have. I don't want to call them. I've allotted one room, which is kind of my office, and this is before having a completely separate area I can go to, which I, as you can see, I'm not in right now. Um, but it it was having at least one room where, um, if the door shut, okay, it's, it's work time because one of the problems that we have had over the, the last period of time with most people isolating is I might be doing this and then my wife Paris will, will actually she won't know. I won't always yeah. tell her. And she'll say, Travis. And I'm like, <laughs> honey, I'm, I'm working. Or, or she'll be talking to me and I'm, I'm, you know, maybe writing something and, and I won't yeah. be paying attention. And then I frustrate her. And what I've realized is that for, for us, at least getting back to schedules and, and blocking time off. And then it's so much easier. But for a while there, we had no plan in place. And it was, I know I was driving her crazy because she's yeah. Travis, you're not paying attention to me. Yeah. <laughs> <You're late. laughs> so can I, and vice versa. I'd be like, honey, yeah. honey, uh, I, I'm talking to you. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Is this our life? Like, <laughs> right. We know we feel it. You empathize with that yeah, quite a Absolutely. bit, <laughs> but I have a theory and my theory is this. There's no one I would rather hang out with than my wife. And despite being right now together almost 24-7 due to these unusual circumstances, and you guys have the same thing with you. We got our dog right now. It's kind of remarkable that you can get on each other's nerves from time to time, right? That happens. But remarkably, we, we thought about it last night. We still love hanging out with one another. And yeah. and if you can survive what you all went through on Love is Blind and yep. a quarantine, you all can survive anything. And I feel like my wife and I are the same way. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Absolutely. So true. All right. So now that you have all of the sort of paradigms in place, you spent a year and a half together with the cameras pretty much not around. Mm-hmm. This right. is where you get put on the spot. Cameron, you can talk to me all you want about using artificial intelligence to hopefully create wonderful tools for people who have disease, which is honestly so remarkable and wonderful. And those people with Parkinson's, they they need solutions. So I would urge you to never lose that passion. Um, in medicine, it's the hardest part for me in medicine is where I don't feel like we have the tools or hope to offer people who deserve more hope. So thank you for that. And Lauren, what you're doing right now, right up your alley, and 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 I'm so happy that you have that you have enough knowledge of this space. But putting you on the spot, mm-hmm. year and a half into marriage, yeah, it, there's no paradigm here, but that tends to be the period of time. A lot of times, I know people, what's coming. you know, they start talking, or maybe you know, trying to have a baby has that. And, and and I don't know, you may have come out and said, we're trying right now. What's the, uh, what's the latest there? <laughs> um, no, I, no pressure. Oh, I know. This is, we, it's all we're good. used to answering. It's all question. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's definitely something that we absolutely want to do. Are we trying currently? I mean, in our own ways, but not really, <laughs> you know, trying. 
per se for a baby. If it happens, it happens. But um, we're definitely looking probably within the next year to start our extending our family with with little ones other than furry ones, for right. sure. Well, I mean, they'll probably be furry eventually. <laughs> right. Eventually. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm in my 30s. Um, that's no secret. So I know that the clock's the ticking. Um, and if we want to have multiple children, then that's something that we will really have to, you know, not get to, not in a rushed way, but yeah. something that we will have to really kind of begin to start our family within the next year or so. Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, I think we're both excited for kids, mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're excited to just be alone together and, you know, have as much of that time as we can yeah. before the kids and sure you can empathize with that as well and i'm such a workhorse too so i feel like in my mind as a woman that's like in the back of my head like man it's so much stuff that i want to do and right. and be and accomplish and you know in some certain ways i feel like even though they say that it won't necessarily but having a kid i know that once i do that that is the focus and the priority like i have to do that and be a mom and of course you can juggle both but um, it's just harder. Yeah, it's yeah. harder. So I want to try to squeeze out a few more things other than children before I actually. Well, and and you and even talking about having children, our, our baby isn't born yet, but I can tell you, I have a newfound. I've always had the utmost respect for for women and the process of pregnancy, ultimately childbirth, and just the amount of self-sacrifice that goes yeah. into carrying a child mm -hmm. it's it, until you've experienced it and watched it and seen my wife have nights where she can't sleep because she can't get comfortable or nights where um he is kicking and punching her so much and i'll just say feel this and i i am amazed at his right hook I mean, I literally feel his fist hitting my fist oh, and like, I'm like, little dude, chill, <laughs> chill out. And what, you know, watching the, 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 at times morning sickness and it, no doubt about it, it is, it is a big commitment and it, and anyone who makes light of it, um, in terms of the amount of time, energy and the, the physical sacrifices that mothers go through that. They've never seen it or they've never gone through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So excited about it. Oh, yeah. When that time does come. Absolutely. Well, you will have beautiful babies and they'll, they'll be measured and smart. And, and, uh, honestly, the two of you, I can tell you based upon our brief interactions, you're going to have great kids because oh. they're going to have great role models. Oh, thank, thank you so you. much. All right. Well, you guys, I'm, I'm not going to keep you for much longer, but because I like to go deep, <laughs> I'm going to go somewhat shallow deep first. Okay. <laughs> All right. Your favorite, other than falling in love, your favorite part of being on Love is Blind, then your least favorite part. Both of you can answer separately. Who's first? Um, my favorite part, other than falling in love, about Love is Blind, outside of us or just in our story? Anything. It could be that you met your best friend at anything. Ooh, you first, baby. Oh. And preferably something that maybe none of us know. You know, yeah. that's the part. No one knows that you spent days and days and days and days, not just one hour right. uh, episodes. Man, locking it down on one is tough. Um, I think just the fact that our wedding 
brought everyone together in the way that it did. And mm-hmm. yeah, I wish there was more that could have been shown of the wedding day, like the reception and that type of thing. But like everyone was having such a great time. Like our dads were dancing together at one point. It was like crazy. It like, I swear it was synchronized the way they were <laughs> dancing together. But uh, just seeing everyone come together, like seeing the two families come together was awesome. I mean, I wish it could have even been longer, really, the the reception part of it. But um, Lisa, I don't know. You go ahead. Um, my favorite part um, outside of us falling in love, not that Cameron mentioned it. I'm not stealing his answer, but that is a very valid uh, uh, answer there. Um, and honestly, I guess on, in that same vein, is just really seeing my family come together and support me, like, and seeing how happy that my parents are, even after it's come out with everything, like how how they're excited for me and Cameron, how they're just really touched by the outpouring of love from everybody. And my parents are just like, we're so proud of you. Look at you, like inspiring the world. So for me, that's just been like, you know, it almost makes me emotional to think about it, but that's that's beautiful. Least favorite part. Least favorite part I would say would be seeing the couples that, you know, they had that initial spark back in the pods that really, some you know connected them together and then seeing over time those connections lead to like a lot of tension and a lot of just downtrodden emotions that they felt during the process leading up to everything and just it was just really tough to see that on a day-to-day you know I mean we were focused on our relationship but we would see the other couples and see how tough it was for them and it was just so that was real. Those, those tough emotions, mm-hmm. that was for the most part, you can't speak for everyone, but right. what you were seeing, that was real turmoil for certain individuals. Oh God. Yeah, it was like tearing some of them up inside, you know, and they're trying their best to make it work. And, you know, I mean, yeah, so all we can all do is just try to make it work to the best that we can. Love yeah. is blind and it's, and it can be tough too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, least favorite part for me, I would have to say, ooh, mm, uh, least favorite part, least favorite part. Um, honestly, it was one point where I was really kind of sad by the whole process because even though it, it ended up being okay, but I was sad when we were preparing for the weddings, um, just because I had to kind of shatter this thought process of how I pictured my, like, as a little girl, my wedding to be like, oh no, I'm not going to get a, a bridal shower or all of my family can't be here in this moment. And certain things like that, like was really hard for me kind of having to let go of those ideals that I've had since I was like six and my wedding and my marriage. And um, so that for me was kind of hard, but of course in the end it turned out, I ended up with the prize. <laughs> so, you know, that's good, but that was definitely hard for me. And I think that's thing. why we're thinking of doing like a wedding reception to try to capture some of those elements that due yeah. to the time constraints of everything we didn't get to do. Of course, for women, I think it's fair to say that there it's more idealized and there's more of these like things that you yeah. would like to have. Little girl dreams. and Yeah. Well, I don't know what your obligations are contractually, but if you guys had a, another wedding reception or a big party and you guys filmed it, I guarantee there are a lot of people who'd love to see your two dads dancing and yeah. together on the dance floor. You know, the stuff that sometimes producers don't realize that that's what we want to see. We right. want to see two dads, you know, who 
in, in the most unusual of circumstances, bringing two people together and, you know, it, it that's that is gold right there absolutely i'd like to see that footage i mean we saw it happen real time yeah i'd love to see it again you have to tell me have the two of you sat down and do you ever have movie night where you're like all right honey let, let's watch the season <laughs> oh you yeah have, i know you have come on yeah, now we've we watched it a few times i mean we haven't watched it in the past like couple weeks since it's ended yeah. but we when as the episodes would come out each week we would definitely watch it like that whole week like multiple times mainly just our parts but yeah <laughs> so well, mean, some of the parts were hard to watch what like i just mentioned where it was yeah like, you know it takes you back to the turmoil of those guys when they were going through it <clears throat> but uh we surprisingly we haven't watched it as much as i thought we would. I kind of want to watch it again. To be yeah, I mean, for us, it's literally like our home movies. Like, we get to watch that stuff, and it's like, oh, man, we get to relive these moments. Like, we joke about how we're going to, like, force our kids to watch that, like, every holiday. Like, all right, guys, it's time for Love is Blind. Watch right. how mom and dad met, you right. know? So, um, we haven't watched it lately, but we definitely watched it multiple, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I never thought about how cool that would be to... And who knows? You you better make sure. I don't even know how you save that now because yeah, down the road, Netflix and how that all evolves. And I'm and I'm sitting here thinking, okay, do you do you just save all that on your computer? Will computers even exist? You know this, Cameron, better than I do. You, you, you but but that is. I mean, I can't imagine how cool it would be as a kid to watch your parents go through that. I know, and, right. <laughs> Like, wait, mom, dad, you really said I love you I without know. seeing you? Know. You guys are crazy. Yeah, I know. I would never do that. <laughs> and I love asking people a, a, a big question that is to sort of the heart of life. Yeah. And as you look back at your lives and the future, nobody can predict. But other than maybe this experience, maybe it is this experience. And if it's this experience, then you should say so. But the most meaningful or sentinel moment in your life that has defined who you are till this point? It's a good one. Um, wow. Find who I am. Um, actually, you know what? I do have a moment. I've, I've actually never shared this with anybody, but I remember my parents, I was young. I was in like about eighth grade. This was right after my grandmother had passed and my parents, they had just separated. They weren't divorced yet, but you know, me and my brother were living, uh, at the time with my grandmother and my mom and my dad was living in what was our house. And I just remember going over there to the house to my dad. And we just had this long conversation about life and, and being great and really like putting, uh, not becoming a person of the world, but being a person who um, contributes to the world. And I'll just always like remember that conversation in my head. And I just remember like crying being like 12 or whatever, just kind of really at that time, understanding what that really meant. I don't know. That's probably like a crazy, deep, like weird. Yeah, I don't even think I've, I've told Cameron that. She hasn't. Yeah. So new stuff here. Yeah. That was definitely a moment <laughs> in my life where I was just like, okay. I have a job to do in this world and I'm going to find out what it is and go after it. I honestly, yeah. I love that. Yeah. All right, Cameron, tell me your, um, your moment that maybe is the a defining or sentinel moment in your life. Man, that's, yeah. I mean, well, for one, I think 
this show was probably one of the most, and well, for sure, one of the most pivotal, but maybe not, maybe the most pivotal because, I mean, I met Lauren, I met my wife for the rest of my life. Um, so there was so many moments there. You know, I think as a, as a, a moment that kind of relates to uh, Lauren's moment in a way would be, um, and this is kind of a, a more sad moment, but um, like when I was visiting, my mom and I and my sister went to visit my grandma who had Alzheimer's and, um, you know, talking to her in the hospital and my grandma couldn't recognize mom. And then, uh, I mean, it was just the most devastating thing for my mom. So like I said that I was to myself that I was going to find a way to, um, you know, make that, make sure that, that I could do something about that. So I think it, that kind of relates to, to the moment you said about doing things out in the world mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the most positive moment would be, you know, I mean, the, all the moments that we had, but, but up on the, on the altar, um, yeah. you know, when we said, I do. So, you know, those, those are, those two things kind of define me the most, I would say. Well, I've never done this on a, on TV or on a podcast, but I'm going to do it. I love you, Cameron and Lauren. <laughs> you, we love you too. Love you too. You, I just, I really, really appreciate the two of you and what you represent in a day and time where I'll admit it. I, Hey, I'm, I'm at that stage where you see enough and you can become cynical and you see everyone a lot of times doing things, I think maybe for the wrong reasons in terms of, um, you know, life is a, it's, it's a weird time just in terms of, whether it be social media, everything else, and just the, the desire to be somebody rather than do something is it's a pretty profound thing. And, you know, when I was a kid, I was watching an interview on TV, as silly as this is, and they were they were uh, talking to a mom and she was talking about her little her boy who was sick. And, and she said, you know, my whole life she was, she was in front of the camera and, and getting a lot of airtime. And she said, well, you know, I guess some people would say that this has, could make us feel important. She said, and, and although it's nice to be important, it's more important to be nice. Mm. And, and I think that all of those lessons are, they're very simple lessons, but in today's day and time, as in all times, you know, this is just a really weird time in life. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, we've never, it's a divided time. Um, yeah. in terms of, everything. And I mean, literally whoever thought a virus could divide a country, whoever thought that, but so it's, it's also, this is a point in time where we can all come together. And I think that mentality of thinking beyond yourself mm -hmm. and thinking about how you as an individual can in some way, shape or form provide a, a service to not just you, your mm -hmm. loved ones, but, but to the world. And I think that's, I mean, that is a, it's a simple thing, but it's a profound way to think about life because it also then gives you purpose. And so for the two of you, you have new opportunities now, and I know you're going to have, I, I hope a lot of fun with it. 
But yeah. you're, I can tell that the two of you have this deeper purpose and I can tell why the two of you fell in love <laughs> because it's just, it's great to talk to you too. I, I genuinely have enjoyed this and, um, and, and honestly, maybe we'll do it again in the future and, and you guys can give me an update and mm -hmm. I, I'm just really excited about what the future brings for the two of you. And just never forget this. This yeah. is all new for you too. This is just happening and you've, I can tell you're handling it so well, but, but just remember that no matter what the attention is from the outside. And, and here's the God's honest truth. A year from now, there's a very good chance. No one knows what's going to happen. But what happens is when you're on a reality TV show, there's a period of time after where you're literally the most, it's like you're the Beatles. Everyone, you know, but, but none of that matters. What matters is the, the reasons you two fell in love. And I think that's what I, I've come to realize in life that, we care so much about the number of likes we have when we post a message, and, but none of that matters. You know, when push comes to shove, it's this chaotic experience you guys are about to go through right now. It's the fact that you're doing it together. I mean, that's, and, and no matter what, that's the key. And I'm genuinely stoked for your two's future, whether, whether it's something that we all see or not. Um, I have no doubts, no doubts that you two are going to do great things. And I cannot wait to see what the future holds. Thank you. And Thank I just want to so say that this has literally been one of the best like conversation. I don't even want to call it an interview because it has really felt like a conversation with you. And I appreciate that. Like it's been comfortable. I like, you know, we talked about you on the bachelor and us and right. it was just comfortable and relaxed. And I just really want to tell you, I really genuinely loved talking to you and it was great. Definitely one of the more deeper conversations that we've gotten into throughout this process yeah. so far. So we appreciate it. Thank that. you. Of course. And glad I could have you. The only disappointment I have is I feel like I, I want to pull back the, the door and hug you guys. We experience that in the pods all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that feeling. Be well, you two, and, and much success in life and all of your endeavors. And um, hey, pet, give, give your dog a little pet on the head for me yeah. and stay Thank steadfast. You. If you didn't hear earlier, um, we, we were talking about the challenges of uh, young puppies and, and how <laughs> they can be quite a challenge. But my dog has literally been sitting here the entire time, just just laying, just chilling. Oh. Yours will get there. Yes, I know. Yes. We're like, we can't wait until that time. <laughs> yeah, we're praying for that time. Yeah. All right. Lauren Cameron, been a real pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. Bye-bye. Thank right, you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening. Do not forget to subscribe and download and tell your friends. I would love to build this community and continue to be all about authenticity, optimism, and hope. Uh, looking forward to the next podcast. We'll see you soon. The Travis Stork Show podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional, medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.